Hey, what's going on, guys? It's Jordan Canlis here, speaker, coach, and founder of State Shifters, and you're listening to the State Shifters podcast, a show designed to help conscious achievers master their internal state and break free from the limiting patterns that are keeping them stuck so you can live a life of passion, purpose, and freedom. And on this podcast, you're going to receive everything you need to evolve physically, emotionally, spiritually, and you're going to be getting the tools, the strategies, the live coaching, interviews, all from conscious creators who are also living their purpose and leaving their mark on the world. And really, it's it's my belief that we're all capable of greatness. And once we have the courage to own our pain and learn the lessons from our past, we can create a future built around our purpose. And my intention with this show is to really give you the resources you need to help to tap into your unique soul mission and really live life from a beautiful state of being. So with that being said, if you want more tools, resources, or guidance in your journey, head on over to stateshifters.com. If you want to join my free Facebook community, you can click the link in the show description. And if you're interested in getting help from me or some mentoring, if you want to accelerate your evolution and move beyond these limiting patterns that are holding you back, feel free to drop me an email, jordan at stateshifters.com, or you can head on over to the website, stateshifters.com slash work with me, and we can tear up a call. So without further ado, guys, enjoy today's episode. I'd love for you to just kind of introduce yourself to my community or whoever's listening and tell, yeah. us, tell us a bit more about what you do in the world, bro, because it's fucking interesting. Yeah, thanks, man. Um, I do a few. Th- I do. It, it's funny that it, so when I tell people what I do, they're like, my God, you do so much. And for me, it's like it's one thing. It's, it's just, I, I help men. I help men become better men, show up for their women. This is using breathwork, using psychedelics. Uh, doing private retreats, doing full-on five-day men's retreats, like group work. Um, It really is about cultivating that masculine, that sacred masculine energy, that presence inside of us, that when we, that we can show up unwaveringly for the women in our lives, for the feminine, which is essentially, the feminine is the life force of the planet. So if you're, if you can't show up for the woman in front of you, you're not actually showing up for the entirety of life. And so when you can get right, have right relationship with all the things in your life, <clears throat> you have extra bandwidth, you have extra presence, you have extra connection, you can get deeper into intimacy, the sex is better. Like the w- Literally, the way you penetrate the world is with that sacred masculine essence and energy, which is safe, which is conscious, which is aware. Fuck. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> let's go. Well, that's, that's, why, that's why we vibed, I feel. We're kind of uh, yeah. in, the, in a similar domain mm-hmm. in terms of the, the impact that we're trying to have on the world. And then people who obviously listen to this podcast and people who've been following me like know that you know men's work, intimacy, relationships has, yeah. have been a big pillar of the things that I share because it's, it's so – a lot of guys struggle. Like a lot of guys struggle. I actually get a lot of women that hit me up saying, hey, so, I sent my, my boyfriend or my yeah. husband your way yeah. and stuff like that. So we're going to have some fun today in the convo. Yeah, I think it's funny to, like, the evolution of it, I think, I mean, landing where we've landed. Like, I've been through so many iterations of, like, what I do and who I help. It's, like, it's finally, like, landing six or seven years later after, uh, I'm only 10 years. Starting with personal training and ending here is, like, to see the evolution of it, of, like, filtering through what what hits, what doesn't, what helps, what doesn't, Mm. is so powerful to be like, no, this is it. And this, this is like, this is where, this is the lane I belong in and I was always meant to be in. I feel that too. Yeah. I went through a similar process, yeah. uh, you know, with, with, I think it's just clarifying yourself and the more you, mm-hmm. more you start to clarify yourself, the more you realize what it is that's trying to be expressed through you, you know, 100%. and uh, I'd love to know a little bit more about that evolution for you personally, man, yeah. because I, there's, <clears throat> a, there's a lot of pain and suffering that usually goes down on, on these yeah. journeys and yeah, yeah. I'd love to, to hear more about 
the, the lessons that have come out of that? Yeah, um, I love that you said pain because just recently I've recognized that the biggest block for men is their relationship to the pain. Like we as men carry a different pain than women do. Women, there's no question that they have been oppressed and suppressed by the masculine and the patriarchy and all this stuff. Like it's been a rough go, but men carry a different kind of pain, like a real de deep level of um, it's a reje rejection's a big one for men. I think that men carry a lot more rejection pain than women do, um, and not to say they don't, but men, you know, in society, in culture, men have been the ones to go out and get go out and get food or go out and ask the woman to the dance. Like, you know, I mean, there's actually a sock hop is a dance where the woman actually asks the man. And, or the, and so it's, it's a different switching it up because it's, normally it's the men going to ask, making the first move. So we have a lot more um, r space for rejection than women do. And I think a lot of men, whether they admit it or not, they have a deep fucking fear of rejection. I'm not good enough. Oh, that woman that I put my eye on didn't like me and rejected me. I'm a, I'm a piece of shit. I'm a loser. Mm. And it's this deep-rooted fear of like feeling that pain that we carry around as men. And so in my, and, and I know this because I've experienced it. Um, there, growing up, there was, um, I was very different than my peers in the sense that physically, uh, severe asthma, severe food allergies. I had this tendency to choke on my food a lot. So I, have, uh, I experienced esophageal spasms. So normally the esophagus would like massage the food down into your to your belly. For me, it, it kind of it I don't know, people can't see, but it kind of the, the the esophagus doesn't work in coherence, so it's right. contracting, not massaging. And so like literally pieces of rice would get stuck in my throat, and I would be choking. I'd have to have the hamic number done. And so this created this massive distance dissonance between me and my peers. And it created like a lot of shyness in me, a lot of um, you know shyness to the point of like of withdrawing, of isolation, uh, where I would you know pretend I was sick so I wouldn't have to go to birthday parties, avoiding all these social interactions where I felt either threatened or um, different and just like the spotlight was on me. Um, all of this basically, a, I felt rejected by the world. You know, I, I learned that I couldn't trust my body and I couldn't trust the people around me, uh, and my parents. Like no, there was no. Um, abuse, physical, sexual, verbal, anything. Um, it was they would do. They did the best they could, but like the experience I was having, I mean, there's really no human way to make that to pacify that. You know, when you think like, oh, th is this next breath going to be my last one when you're having an asthma attack, or if you eat a peanut and you're like, oh my god, my throat's closing up, like uh, I'm going to die right now. Um, there's no way that a, mo a mom or dad can be like, I love you, it's going to be okay. Like in that body, it is not going to be okay. And so having those experiences growing up created a lot of um, fight or flight in me, a lot of survival mode. You know, especially, essentially, I spent the first 15 years of my life in survival mode, um, just always thinking about wondering where the threats are coming from. And so um, the way that I found this out was um, after 15 years of pretty, pretty deep addiction. Uh, I was, you know, from ages, I'd say from age 20, 22, 23, Till age 38, I was pretty much in the throes of severe alcohol addiction, cocaine addiction. Mm. Um, you know, people, what was your favorite drug? The, whatever you got, <laughs> you know. And so um, that that looked like um, a failed marriage, or not failed marriage. It looked like a divorce. The marriage didn't work out. It looked like a lot of careers, a lot of jobs that didn't work out. It looked like uh, going to jail. Twenty, I think it's like 20, 23 or twenty four times. I remember you telling me that. Holy yeah. shit! Damn. Um, I mean, and it wasn't like I was, you know. 
years at a time. It yeah. was it was three nights, two nights, one night, eight nights, one time. I mean, but still, it was repetitively like just getting in trouble with with the law for drunken public, disorderly conduct, DUI, whatever it was. Um, six trips to rehab, and so eventually, when it came time to when I when I decided like this is it, I have to go, I've got to change my behavior. After these fifteen years, I was thirty eight years old, uh, no, living in North Carolina. It was four in the morning. November twenty first was the day. And I just sitting there, and I just was like, "This has got to change." Like, I, I, like, it was all that pain that I had experienced for the past fifteen years, and like a literal movie strip of the wreckage of relationships, of jobs, of the family, of my mom's face, my dad's face, my sister crying to me, "Please stop!" Like, all this stuff was like right in front of me, and I had been up for four days partying, and so at that moment, I said, "This has got to change." And when I went with that commitment, I went in and I, so I'd been in and out of AA and rehabs and like seeing these people around me that had these awful childhoods, you know, awful childhoods of a lot of abuse, a lot of alcoholic homes, a lot of anger in the homes, like a lot of just abandonment and rejection, which I had, but it was different. Um, And so I'm sitting there thinking like, what got me here? Like I have, I'm here in the same place with these people that have experienced this Terrible alcoholic childhood, abuse, physical abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse. And I'm, I had a childhood where in my home, like for up until this point, if you had asked me, I would have said my childhood was great. I played tennis and golf every summer. I go skiing every winter. Um, didn't really want for much. We went on trips. The lo- there's love in the house, a lot of parties. Birthday parties were great. Like there wasn't a lot of things I could point to that would say you're going to be an alcoholic hmm. because of emotional damage. Um, and so I was like, well, what, what is actually going on? So that's when I realized I looked a layer deep into my childhood and realized like, okay, that external experience was happening. You know, maybe my sister was getting that experience, but I was having the experience of constantly being under threat, constantly like bullying people making fun of me for the way I breathe. So shame has been a big part of my story. Um, and shame, what I've learned is that shame, uh, starts when, we are trying to get a basic need met or, or a basic need is trying to get met and we feel rejection or embarrassment around it, humiliation around it. So for me, that was breathing. Like I, w- I would be having an asthma attack in school and the kids would look at me and start pretending they were having asthma attacks to like, ah, ha, ha, you're having an asthma attack mm-hmm. and like make these breathing noises. And so I'm trying to breathe basic human need and I'm getting humiliated for it. And so understanding that that level of shame was carried with me through all through, and that's what fueled my addiction. You know, feeling that shame of like, oh God, if I have an asthma attack or if I stand out, I'm going to, I'm going to be made fun of again and I'm going to feel rejected and I'm going to feel humiliated. And that's really painful. And so drinking, you know, I shifted into life of the party up on the bar, dancing, talking to women, telling jokes, like all the things. And it got really out of control because Mm -hmm. it was such a, such a massive relief for me to feel that way that then I wanted to feel that way all the time. And so once I got sober, it was looking at like, you know, first things like depression, I was, that was a big one for me. Uh, social anxiety, so feeling so different from all my peers made me in social situations feel very, very uncomfortable. And so I handled those two things at first. And then once those big ones came, they kind of dissipated and, and handled those, then it was the shame and, the, and the, this deep level of pain that I felt. And then, you know, looking at it, like I came into the world with asthma and food allergies and these esophageal spasms. And so is that really mine? Mm. You know, do, going deep into psychedelics and saying, uh, asking where it came from, because I came in with that. Like there was no, like, it was just in my body from past lives, from epigenetics, from whatever it was. And so, um, yeah, it was a lot of deep looking past like this surface level stuff, that, like this, 
this like seeing what was actually there and what was actually happening to understand myself and why I was showing up the way I was. Mm. Damn, bro. It's a <laughs> it's a deep journey, eh? Yeah. And yeah. I, I forgot there's uh two suicide attempts in there. Oh shit. So one suicide attempt and these are these are subconscious suicide attempts. Um one when I was like eight or nine years old. I was playing little league baseball and I, I had the worst asthma attack I've ever had in my life where I basically uh, I died. It was a near-death experience. Um, I decided at that moment, this is through plant medicine, I've learned this, but I decided my body and my soul decided in that moment we were done feeling so different, so picked on, so bullied, so shameful, that like we're out, this mm. is too much. And I, mean, I, I woke up in a tent the next day in the hospital, had no idea how I got there, and my lungs basically stopped working. And then in 2009, um, after a full day of drinking and at a, par- a football game, I jumped off the second story of a balcony at a bar 35 feet and landed on the pavement down below. That was my second suicide attempt. Gosh. Again, same thing, like feeling this, it was like, you know, I was 10 years into this addiction at this point or 12 years in, and it was like, I'm just so, I, I don't see a way out of this. I don't see a way out of this shame, this hurt that I've caused everybody else. This is it, I'm gone. And I never, and I never knew what happened that night until a deep, deep ayahuasca trip. Mm. Man, I know, I know a lot of, a lot of people may feel stuck in some sort of addiction mm-hmm. or have been stuck in some sort of addiction. And, and even just you sharing your story, you know, it, it gives permission for a lot of people to feel seen, to know that like, yeah. Hey, you, you can get out of this. And Eckhart Tolle says any addiction is an unconscious refusal to, to be with your own pain. Right. And it's, it's so true, but what, determined the readiness for you to want to go into the pain just that like you were done with the suffering and yeah how bad does it need to get for someone to be like okay it's this is it like i'm i'm ready to go in there because for a lot of people they're just they're just there's the the, the suffering's yeah. not bad enough yet yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like it's, it's who, and who decides that these are great questions yeah. um you know i think i'll i'll speak from the man's perspective men in particular I think humans, really, pain is the greatest catalyst that we have. It's the greatest motivator for change that we have. And I think with men, I think that's a little bit more because we have the stuff your feelings, hide your pain. Um, women are more, over time, have been more readily um, accessible. Like, it's okay for them to talk about their feelings and, and share their pain. And they have, you know, women have been getting together in, in circles for way long, way long time and talking about these things, whereas men, it's, we don't have that. So... Um, I think it takes a little bit more pain for us to do stuff. And I, I tell everybody, like, it doesn't have to get to the point where you're trying to commit suicide or even going to rehab or going to jail. I mean, these things are like physical illness, cancer, whatever it is, like, it doesn't have to get to that point. Um, the decision gets, but that that's the problem is that it's so tough to recognize, oh, is this really that bad? Because we can justify or um, smooth over so much. And with that comes the, um, it's okay, but it's, it's not great, but it's okay. Mm. You know, it's not great, but it's, I'm not suffering enough. Mm. And then I always say, like, I feel good enough. Like feeling good enough or being good enough is not enough. If you're co- like, the, and this specifically speaks to like, if you're feeling okay, I'm good, like making it through, but I'm, you know, lethargic and maybe a little out of shape and I can't find motivation. Like, and it's not killing you and it's not wrecking your marriage and it's not, you still have a job and like all the things that we say, like make it okay. It takes a real glance in a real, not even glance, a real like looking in to say, is this how I want to finish this job? Is this how I want to finish this thing? 
is this how I want to see this thing all the way through? Really? Because it's it, you, you get in a bad job or a bad marriage or, or just in a bad way with yourself. Like you blink your eyes five years later, you're still there. For sure. You know, like how many times have I, I've taken jobs in my life been like, oh, it's a good, good for now. And then two years later, like paycheck's decent. It allows me to go out and do my things. But it's also like, it's like office space. I'm sitting there under fluorescent lights, clicking a screen. Like, it's just not how I choose to be. And so man, like we get to understand that if we're feeling just good enough, that's, that's the point when you get to look. Like, this is good. Like, how you doing? I'm good. Are you? Like, what, are you okay with that? And that's the point, that's the tipping point where, because if, if, if it that good will be good for, it could be forever. And it could be like this nice little happy existence. That good could turn bad real quick. It, okay, yeah, I agree. I fucking agree. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a waste of potential. It's a waste of uh, light that's trying to come through. And I, I remember I felt that at my corporate job. I was like, this is a good life, mm -hmm. but it's not, the best yeah. and it got me angry. I was like, there's no way I could settle for this for the yeah. rest of my life. And I, I hear, or, or what I want to, I'm curious to know what you think the path is. If you know that a man is listening to this, or even a woman is listening to this going, yeah, like I'm good, but I know there's so much more in me that's trying to come out. Where does one start? Like, where do you think one starts if they want to go from good to exceptional or like next level? Like, yeah. I mean, I think if, for one, it's like, I think looking at or looking back at all those times you sold yourself out, aka like said no when you wanted to say yes. Like this job is like it's good, right? But like I had this, I had an opportunity to go to Bali and or go skydiving. I said no. Where are you saying no to things in your life that are actually things you want to do because you think you don't deserve them or that's oh that's great for them, but it's not, not you know not for me. Like living abroad or like going nomadic or whatever these like callings of your soul are. Look at all the ways you're not listening to that. You know, like you have a vision, you have a vision board. How many of those things you checked off? None. Great. Time to start. Mm. You know, like it's, it's really a looking at where you've betrayed yourself in the past. Cause, cause time is, it moves fucking fast. I mean, it, ridiculously fast. And we know this, but we never think about it. We take, we, we, we know how fast time moves. Like every year you're like, Oh my God, it's already October. And you're like, yeah, that happens every year. Like how many times are you gonna get through a year and be like, it's already October and I didn't do shit I was gonna say I was gonna do in January? You know, how many like now look at your life. You're already 35. Right. How many how many how much shit did you say you were gonna do at 30 that you haven't done yet? You know, look at these things. So th this good life, is this good life really providing the space for you to be that, to be be that person, to be that man, to be that woman, to live that life? Or is it just a nice happy existence? Yeah, or the or the comfort blanket, so you don't comfort have to zone, yeah. confront the the stuff yeah. that would come up if yeah. you were to go in pursuit of the life that right. is, is exceptional. Because it's now now you get into like this ego thing. The ego loves that good little corporate mm -hmm. life. The ego's like, this is good, it's safe, we're good. We don't really track. We and we drive to home and to work every day. We have kids. Like, it's good. But then there's like that higher calling. That's it. And and that back to the journey of like unlocking more of what it means to be a fully expressed man or just individual. Mm -hmm. It's it's that. It's going in pursuit of the things that are calling to you. And in the journey, you just start to discover and unlock and let go of all the stuff that's not you. And, and you just start to emerge as a more full expression. Yeah. And then it, the journey continues, you know? Yeah, because none of the things that you want to do are about the things you want to do. Yes. They're about who you have to become yes. to do, to be, to vibrate up to those things. So there's a great question I was asked, actually not this year, but the year before at Burning Man. Um, John Wineland, we were in a group and John asked this question. He said, 
um, this is this is how I phrase it now. He's phrased it a little differently, but this is what I ask all my clients: Who do you get to be, and what do you get to do from this moment forward, so that when you die, you die complete? Because if if you exist on that saying no to yourself and saying no to your dreams and your soul's callings, you're not going to die complete. You're not going to, like, it's like, who do I get to be that I see this thing all the way fucking through? Finish the job. Hmm. Fuck, man. Yeah, this is, these are important conversations. Totally. Because if you, if, if you don't zoom out far, far enough and go, if you were to die tomorrow, would you feel complete? You know, would you oh. be okay with that? Yeah. And if you can't confidently answer, yep, you know, if it's my time tomorrow, I'm, I'm totally okay with that, then something needs to shift. And I think it's up to the individual to get really, like, clear on, like, hey, son, I need, to, I need to shift something. Yeah, where are you leaking energy? Yeah. Where yeah, are you wasting time? Exactly. And you, you work on, on many layers, bro, which is so amazing. Like, you, it's <laughs> how you work with people is so, so special. You Thank know, you. You, you do the men's work, you work on the, the coaching level again, and this is why having a coach is so valuable, right? Yeah. If, if, you, if you don't know where to start or you, you don't know how to now get the accountability to go in pursuit of that life, is that's what coaches are for. It's yeah, like having totally. to kick up your ass to be like, let's go, man, it's yeah. time. But you also work on the, the deeper energetic layers, you know, the past lives, the yeah. the stuff that sometimes you can only get to through, say, uh, plant medicine work or deep breath work. Yeah. Uh, and you work with Bufo, which is the, you know, the toad medicine, which yeah. for, for me has had a big impact on my life for the last three, four years. Yeah, it will. <laughs> yeah. Tell me how, why, why Bufo? Why did that choose you? And, and then yeah. how do you now incorporate that into your, um, into your work? So... It shows me in uh, end of 2020, um, I smoked it for the first time and it was a small meditative dose. And then I did the full, full blast off dose, maybe like two months later, uh, two months later. And it was in, in that moment of smoking it and having that experience. The first thing I remember coming out of it was that is the healing that I've needed every day since the day I was born. So what that means is that I tapped into the past lives and I healed the fifteen, the seven generations back. Seven, seven generations of me, seven generations of my soul were healed going back. And Shit. Because it, it literally lifted all of the fight inside of me. And, and I wasn't, I've never been a belligerent person, never like been into fight, fights or like, no, not me. I wasn't fighting anything, but I was fighting life inside. I was fighting my experience of it and just thinking always being broken, always being fixed, always needing to be fixed, always needing to heal, all these things. And that moment when I realized, holy shit, like I feel this level of freedom that I've never felt, immediately it was like, okay, so every man that I meet, I now get to bring this to. And the medicine, it was kind of like the medicine and I shook hands like, yeah, this is your medicine. And so I smoked it quite quite a bit for the first like six months. It was, you know, I, I, I found myself in places where Bufo was and Bufo found me. And so it was this like six months of initiation into serving it. And I ended up moving to Mexico. Uh, that was in um, December. And then in January, I moved to Mexico. And it turns out that the shaman that trained my mentors actually lived like 20 minutes from where I was in Mexico. So I started working under him when I was living in Mexico. So like these, like everything kind of aligned and I just, it was one of those things I knew right away that Bufo was like, this is my medicine to carry and bring to the, first of all, I was bring to the, like the guys I work with, but it's turned into bringing to couples, to groups, to, to women. Like it, it just, like, I feel like every human really gets to smoke Bufo <laughs> because it will change, it will sh shift the collective consciousness of everybody. Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. I've done it a few times and mm -hmm. it, it, it is, there is nothing else like it in terms of what it can do to just 
obliterating any of that fear or fight energy that is stored not just in the nervous system or the fascia, but on yeah. some sort of spiritual soul layer, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know much other medicine that can do that. I think that what it does is it it mimics a near-death experience. So you talk, you've talk, if they, they've done science uh, research on people who've had near-death experiences and they, they approach life in a very different way, like an actual, like, I'm about to die. And I had many of those growing up. And so Bufo, what it does is, so when you, when you're, when you know you're about to die, like right before you pass, um, your body floods with DMT. And so you get that, you get the experience of oneness, of source, of God. It's where, you return, it's where our souls return to. It's our souls returning home. And so when you smoke Bufo, you have that experience without actually dying. And you come back to life and it just, it can't be the same. Mm-hmm. That, that was another, when I smoked that meditative dose in Sedona, the first thing I thought was, okay, so life will never be the same. It was, and I've done all other plant medicines like a lot. And that was the one that got me to the point where, okay, so life will never be the same. Mm-hmm. Like the things I just experienced and saw and felt have forever changed me. And then how do you, because you do integration work, plant medicine yeah. integration work, how do you then support someone in integrating those, those kinds of experiences? Yeah, so um, the way I do it is um, I work with the person leading up to the ceremony. So the pre and the post ceremony are, the, I, I, I don't say one, is there's three parts to a ceremony. There's the pre, once you commit, there's the ceremony itself, and then there's the post. All of them, all three deserve equal, uh, 100% attention while you're in that period. So I work with people for two or three weeks leading up to the ceremonies because it, it will bring up shit. This medicine starts working on you before it starts working on you. And so I work with people leading up, going, going through intention setting, going through like letting them be witness to the things that are going on with them without trying to, oh my God, I got to change it. Because the medicine will just say like, remember that? We're bringing that to ceremony. So I work with them for two or three weeks leading up. The ceremony day itself, and, and I do uh, either bufo or mushrooms, um, depends, I can, or there's I'll get in that a second. Um, it's either or, whatever, whatever they're feeling called to, I'll hold space for them that day. And then for six weeks afterwards, at least hold them in the integration process. Because the first six weeks, um, it can get out of hand. Hmm. You know, there can be like this massive, like, I need to change everything. Slow down. Or like, I have no idea what's going on. I don't know what to do. Okay, great. Tell me, what, tell me how you, like, say it out loud. Like, let's get it clear. And then coach them through that because... I've talked to people that have gone and smoked Bufo or even sat with mushrooms or ayahuasca and come back and be like, I had two years of hell because I had no, I, had, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was processing. I didn't know what I was feeling. Um, you know, everything felt different and I didn't know what to do with it. And I'm like, well, that's why I hold you for at least six weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I highly recommend if someone is going to go on their first time experience, uh, even, even if they feel inspired by this conversation, then yeah. do it properly. No. Yeah, first, I mean, I think every time. Like, yeah. Because like, you, you just can't, like the humans, wants to, we want to do it alone. And it's to have, just to have someone there that you can talk to that was there in the experience with you is it's, it's there's no it's like priceless yeah i remember the first time that i went to do mine i was with a, a mutual friend alex yeah uh, in 2020 uh i had we had picked the date and we had a good few months to to lead up to it. and obviously I, your first time you're pretty nervous i was quite nervous unsure what to expect but all i knew was i had this document that the shaman had passed on <laughs> to like how to prepare right yeah. like limit caffeine you know yeah. limit ejaculation like yeah. do breath work do hot yoga so i had this full-on protocol man and knowing me i, I just i like to be really OCD about how I'm prepping myself for any sort of big event. Mm -hmm. So I was treating this like the biggest event of my life. 
I went in there going, this is going to be the most life-changing thing I'm ever yes. going to experience. So I'm going to prep my body for that. Yes. I remember I didn't ejaculate for like two months. <laughs> I was hot yoga a few times a week, yeah. breath work every day, like yeah. di- no sugar and uh-huh. like fully dialed it in. Yeah. So that when I had the experience, like my body could, had there was vitality for the medicine to work with. Yeah. And then I remember I went back a, a, a few months later not at the same place, very a lot lower energy, like lower vitality. And it was a completely different experience yeah. and it wiped me out. I was like super tired afterwards and just wasn't, yeah, it wasn't the same. It's all, yeah. And you know, part of that dieta we just talked about is that like the, like prepare, like get ready for this. It's also a nod to the medicine saying, I respect you. I have reverence for what you're about to offer. And so uh, like people that like, you see people go to like ayahuasca retreats and they haven't, they've been eating meat and they've been eating sugar and they drink coffee or smoke a cigarette the day before. And they go in like, oh man, I had the worst ayahuasca trip ever. Like you think? <laughs> no <laughs> shit. why yeah. ayahuasca is like, you don't respect me. I'm going to beat you down a little bit. Yeah. And like, and then not only that, but like that resistance to actually honoring you, honoring your vessel and yourself Ayahuasca is showing you, like, you do that a lot in your life. It's not just about, like, having caffeine the day before ayahuasca. It's like, where else in your life are you not having reverence for your vessel, for the existence, for this opportunity to be here? Mm. I mean, you think of ancestry. It's 400 million to one shot that we're, that you and I are walking this planet, much less sitting here talking to each other. Like, have some fucking reverence for that. Mm -hmm. Big time. Yeah. What what do you think are signs of someone who maybe needs to go and Smoke some bufo. <laughs> huh, um, not because not everyone needs to. I, I mean, we're not advocating like, hey, you need to go experience yeah. this. But based on your past, it yeah. seemed like that was the medicine that you needed, given the the severity of the the pain, the, the depth yeah. of that pain. You know, I mean, I, I would I would push back a little bit. Like, I think everybody needs to, no matter cool. where they are. Okay, <laughs> just because yeah. it's such a it's just such a conscious experience. Like when done a, properly, you know, when like, done properly. Yes. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like every human on earth, no matter where you are in life, if you're like the happiest, best you've ever been, it's going to offer you something. If you need to be dr- brought up from a dark hole, it will offer you that as well. Um, people that need it are the ones I think that, so I'm big. So psychedelics is my work and I, and I, I'm deep in that world. I also preach and preach, but strongly talk about, we get to do a lot of work as a human being before psychedelics. We have to, we have to earn the right to, be, to sit with psychedelics. So if, I, if, I, if someone comes to me and they, I've been doing this work for three years, I've been working through these things, whether that's addiction, depression, anxiety, heartbreak, whatever it is, I've been doing this work as a human being, looking at all the things I know about, but I'm still there. I'm still struggling to sleep. I'm still struggling to be happy. I'm still like resisting and hitting the glass ceiling and like repeating patterns are happening that's when it's time to, to introduce Bufo or ayahuasca or mushrooms, whatever it is. Because there's something, like if you're in a repeating pattern of three, five, six years, um, there's something that you don't know about that's going on. And then subconscious, it's somatic. It's, Bufo is the, the ultimate somatic therapy. Like it is the most physical, like you can do breath work and shake around and go to ayahuasca and throw up, but Bufo will literally take your body and just shake you. All the energies that no longer belong will leave. So that's the things that we don't know. Because as a human, the mind and the body actually have a massive disconnection when it comes to trauma and stored energies. Because the mind is like, it easily forgets. The body doesn't forget anything. Mm. And so when you recognize that, like, for me, um, it was like every three years I would end up in, like, this depressive state. And so I'm like, I've been sober for six years, and it's been... I was, so, I was depressed when I got sober. I was 
depressed again about three years later. Three years later, I'm, I'm feeling depressed again. I knew in that moment I decided that I'm going to drop the sobriety conversation, I'm going to drop the Alcoholics Anonymous conversation, and I'm going to go searching for what I don't know about myself. And the, and the best way to do that, after six, after 15, oh, fuck, almost 18 years of work uh, as a, at a human level was psychedelics. Wow. Damn, bro. Yeah, it, it lives on in, in, in the fascia, like the tissue. Yes. You know, and, and, and the tissue, the fascia is like the energetic library of the past. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and, and I, what I've noticed is the, the body starts to contort. Like you, the body will physically show where this energy is being held. And I would get massages all the time and like would have these specific areas where like, well, I'm, I'm always sore here. I yeah. hold energy and emotion in this area and then all, all of a sudden the body's compensating maybe your posture is a bit fucked you sit a certain yeah. way and then again over a f period of weeks and months the energy starts to accumulate again and all of a mm -hmm. sudden you're, ho you're holding right yeah. and everything's being affected and i started to become more aware of this recently around posture and body alignment and how you know you can actually see what trauma someone's gone through based on how they stand how they walk how they yeah. sit yes and I think that's a good point, like a good point to mention, which, you know, when you have the Bufo experience or you have a big breathwork experience, you're clearing these layers or you'd go on a deep body work session or whatever. It's, can you have that awareness to notice when these holding patterns are coming back? Maybe yeah. when you don't express something or that you hold something in and it's the posture. It's like just relaxing the shoulders a bit, like relax the jaw, yeah. breathe a little bit deeper, say yeah. what you need to say. And then it reduces the accumulation of, that emotion. Do, 100%, do you agree with that? 100% agree with you. Like I, I literally like uh, walking around Austin or walking on the trail. Like I'll see people that are walking you know, like all tensed or with like a fucked up gait. You know, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got some shit to release. Yeah. <laughs> like your body, you're so tensed up and like shoulders up or like, you know, just the, like you talk about, like you see posture, you see how people sit, walk, talk. Like it's, there's such directional, like for me, I see these somatic cues. And this is what, I mean, it's what being trauma informed is. It's, it's noticing how people's bodies are actually carrying what they're, what they're going through or what they have gone through. And so when you talk about somatic release, I mean, it's everything. Go get a massage, go do bufo, go do breath work, body work, fat, uh, Graston, whatever it is, gua sha, like go mm. get that stuff released and see what happens in your body. I mean, I've had people come to me that, so I do about 15 minutes of meditation and breath work before the bufo. And usually, um, or before any ceremony, but usually, I have people sit, you know, Indian style, uh, hands on knees. Some people come there and they're like falling over. They can't sit there. Like their hips are so tight and locked up. That they just, they, they, I, they have to actually lay down. And then after the bufo, they're, we're eating fruit, talking about what's going on. And they're sitting there Indian style with no problem because mm -hmm. their body released so much. I had a guy uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was this couple that I was serving. He had this like scar and like knot on his right leg. And he was sitting there processing and, and talking about it. And I asked him, I was like, what's up with that scar on your leg? He's like, I always have this pain in my knee, right knee. I'm like, what's up with that scar on your leg? And he's like, he just started crying. He's like, that was when my stepfather, who he hated, had a terrible relationship with, abusive, all the things. He made me build a fence so that I couldn't run away. So mm. he was nine years old. And he made him carry these big barbed wire barrels around and, set, and build, a build his own jail, basically. And he cut himself on the barbed wire. And he said, and I've talked to him since, I've worked with him since, he said, the pain in my leg is completely gone. Like, there's no longer a twitch, there's no longer tightness there. Because he, because he, a safe place to tell that story, and the bufo completely released it. Yeah. 
yeah, and the and the shame from an energetic uh, energy center perspective is is the solar plexus where yeah. where that wound is, but it can also show up in your le- your knee or yeah. your leg wherever you you've got a weak area in your body. Mm-hmm. That's when you start to compensate and energy accumulates there yeah. and. What I find with these like energy blockages and holding patterns or just stagnation, expression gets limited. Mm. You know, this is a, a lot of the guys that come to me, you know, they, they want to, a lot of musicians recently, actually, I've been finding a lot of people like, oh man, I'm a musician or I'm like producing music or I'm trying to step more into my, my art. And straight away, it's like, okay, cool. Like what, what do we need to move through so yeah. that you can just be a clearer <clears throat> channel for whatever's trying to come through? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest benefit or byproduct of confronting this, do, doing this work, facing the fear, letting the shit go is the gift on the other side is like you, you become a clearer conduit for for God, for for life to express through you. And then the world benefits from that. Yeah. You know? I mean, look, look at uh, Preston, Preston Smiles, like good buddy of ours. He, he, he is a fully expressed man because he's done the work to clear the body mm-hmm. and through all the practices, the somatic practices, the allowing practice, like whatever it is. Like you see people that are fully expressed like that and it's attractive. Yes. I want that. It's magnetizing. Yeah. I yeah. want to be that. I want to feel expressed like that. So that is a real, it can be a real driver because that is what freedom is. That allows you to be free in love. That allows you to be free in intimacy. That expression allows you to be free in everything that you do. Dude. Amazing. Um, uh, mindful of time here but this is juicy bro we, <laughs> we, we good, need yeah. another hour for this yeah. but tell me more about like the relationship realm because you've 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 learned a lot of lessons in the in a relationship space yeah. and men heart heartbreak is a big teacher for men it was my first teacher there's no doubt about that yeah um you've had to go through a few heartbreaks i know one recently that's like it's been fresh it's, yeah, yeah it's, it's happening right now how, how do you like how do you help a man? Like, what's your suggestion on like if a man's going through that and they're like they're struggling right now? Like, just broke up with a, a, someone or like the relationships kind yeah. of struggling. What's yeah, What's the um, medicine for that? Wow, that's a good question. Because the the medicine is not where you start. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Like, where, where the medicine when you start is allow it, feel it, like for a good minute, like uncomfortable amount of time, weeks, maybe a month. Like really allow yourself to be in that sorrow, that grief, that sadness. Because if you don't start grieving, the sad, feeling sad and grieving, and if you like go hop, like you know, what's the best way to get over somebody is to get under, under somebody else. That's not going to cut Doesn't it. Work. Yeah. yeah, I've tried that. It's, it feels awful. Yeah, and um, you know, this is the first heartbreak that I've walked through as a fully awake, conscious man. And I was telling somebody yesterday, it is the most painful and also the easiest. That I, that's ever that I've ever experienced. It's, it's that experience simultaneously because it's easiest because I know, I know that this is for me. I know that this is moving me in the direction of everything that I desire to be as a man. Painful because fuck, I feel it. I feel the loss. I feel the grief. I feel the sadness. I feel the questions. I feel the what the 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 all the wounds, the shame, the the um, the ways I wasn't showing up. Like they are all so fucking present, and easy because thank you thank you for showing me everything that i needed to know because this is me answering that question of what do i get to do to die complete this is a this is an answer this is one of the answers along the way to that question because now i am so fucking clear about how i get to show up about where i wasn't showing up about like putting things i know and i teach other men that i wasn't doing into practice getting ruthlessly fucking honest with myself about 
how I wasn't like, okay, sacred, I'm a sacred, I'm sacred masculine. I am like, I've cultivated that in my body. I have that energy and it didn't work. It, it, at least not in that iteration. And so I get to look at where do I get to, you know, refine or where do I get to um, cultivate new levels of that, drop in deeper to it. Really, really, because one of the things that comes up for me and that I've noticed recently, um, and, there's th and these are things that I've worked on in the past a lot. I've worked on uh, most things in the past. Like there's very few things that I can be presented with that are new to me. It doesn't mean I'm graduated from them. It means that, okay, it's been presented. It means that there's still something there for me. So the two that are coming up now are um, attachment style and codependency. Like looking at how those, those two things can, can get in my way when it comes to love, intimacy, sacred union. And so um, there's, and, and now take those down another level, there's shame there, there's insignificance there, there's insecurity there, there's um, rejection, fear of rejection there. So avoidant attachment is the attachment style that I, that's my default. And again, I've worked on it and it's a pattern that I've seen in relationships since I, I got divorced in 2004. So 20 years, I've had four significant relationships. Hmm. I'm, I'm recognizing now that all four have basically gone the same way. Ended, in, ended up with the girl, in the, in the end, the girl broke up with me and it hurts. And so here I am again, what do I not know? Show me what I don't know so that this pattern for me and for the, the, the woman of my future, like so that we can both be in this and finish it and see it through and be in love and be happy and be teammates and all the things that um, are beautiful about mm. that. Mm. Um, so the, the medicine is one, allow it, like really feel it, allow it to be what it is. Don't try and sleep it away. Don't try and do like, make it go away. Like allow the body to process it through scream a lot, uh, do breath work a lot, you know, work out a lot, like move the energies through your body. And then the next medicine is if it broke your heart, but it opened your eyes, take that win. Because that's, and that's where I got pretty quickly with this breakup is like pretty much immediately. Um, it was like, okay, where, where have I been looking away? Like, what have I not been seeing? Because this breakup is here to open my eyes to greater to a greater experience of this life. Oh, man. Yes to that. <laughs> yes to that. Yeah. Relationships are the fucking clearest mirror, man. Dude, they'll, they'll just... they, are, they are the most powerful ceremony we ever get to be in. <sighs> yeah, no yeah. No questions asked. Yeah. They're just, they're just, I've, I'm great, so grateful for my relationship, bro. Yeah, really, you guys are fucking amazing. Thank like, you. Just thank eat, you. Like witnessing you up at Burning Man and now here in Austin, like the way you two interact and get along and just hold each other is, is really, really beautiful. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I yeah, appreciate that. And I, I keep learning every single day that I uh, will get the clearest reflection of my level of presence by <laughs> how, she's, how she is. Dude, yeah. the women that, like, as, as we get conscious, conscious men, like, the, the level of women that we attract will not settle for bullshit. Yeah, Ever. they'll make your life a living hell if you. If you they will make your life if a living you hell. Fall asleep at the wheel, you know. Dude, totally, and like that's. I think a lot of men get turned off by that, and that's why I work with these men is to create the body that can. Because you know what, the, the men, we every man wants that. Mm -hmm. Not every man can hold that right now, mm -hmm. and that's where these women are. Like, there's women out there that are like, men, get in the fucking arena, do the work, like come hold me. I want you to hold me, but get yourself to a point where you actually can. Yeah, that's why some of the, the, the most viral videos that I put out are the videos of, say, a high-achieving man who's had a long day yeah. and he goes to hang out with his missus and he just can't be present around her. He's in, nope. a, he's in her hair. He's in his head, just, like, can't be there. The amount of comments, bro, I've got. I was like, yep, this is me. This is my life. Like, relate. Dude. And I'm like, fuck. Like, 
imagine how many women are out there just not feeling seen or connected or any level of intimacy from their man because yeah. rejected essentially. Yeah. And then the relationship turns into this coexisting experience of, mis- of, of, <sighs> yeah. of, of, of misery. I'm like, that's not it, man. Like, it's it's the it's the it's the core masculine wound and the core feminine wound uh, in a relationship. So the core feminine wound, I am too much. Core masculine wound, I am not enough. So in that dynamic we were just talking about, where the man's disconnected and out, the woman's feeling she's too much because she wants sex, because she wants emotion. The man's feeling he's not enough because he can't. He sees it and he can't give that to her. So then these two wounds, you're in a relationship with these two wounds that are just constantly cycling through. Yeah, you, you you explain you've explained this really well, bro. I really like the level of you can feel the level of clarity that you've got in in being able to articulate this, and it's. I really hope everyone listening has got some something of value from this today. Do, yeah. do you plan on having kids? Do you have kids right now? I don't have kids. Yeah. I, I definitely want to have kids. For a long time, I I didn't. Um, in the in the past, like I I didn't because. Um, I had this story about like with all that stuff I've experienced from like childhood at from the severe childhood asthma to the severe food allergies to 15 years of addiction to um, a lot of my life feeling like an inability to be a man in this world. So basically feeling like a failure as a man. So I was, I had a long time. I had this story of, I don't, I'm not healed enough or I'm not good enough to bring another, uh, to pass this, this, experience on to another man or another boy or a girl, mm. a daughter or a son. And I've gotten to the point in the past couple of years where like, actually I need to pass this on. Like there, there needs to be a, a second, a, another step to this lineage of either a daughter or a son that gets to be a representation of me because I've done the work to get myself to the point where I can actually raise an amazing little human being. I was thinking that man, that's why I asked, I was like, you fu- you'd be a fucking great dad. Thank you. And uh, I would love for my kids to be hanging out with your kids. Let's so let's, let's, let's make, make that sure happen. that happens. Yeah. <laughs> before we, before <laughs> I let you go and we wrap it here, there was something that I read on your Instagram um, feed before we came here around the levels of intimacy that I really resonated with. I make a lot of content on intimacy and polarity mm-hmm. and things like that. And there was a post you made about the seven uh, types of intimacy in a conscious yeah. relationship. Yes. Do you mind just speaking to that quickly? Because I thought it was really insightful. Yeah. Um, you know, we, this old story of intimacy in the, it's the bedroom. It's like, how, how, how do we interact physically? And intimacy is so, intimacy is so much deeper than that. Like we're being intimate right now. You know, there's so many levels of intimacy that it's like, you know, there's, that's why I put that on that post. I had the wheel of intimacy because hope, my hope was that people would like screenshot that and be like, oh, I'm a two here. I'm a seven in the bedroom, but experientially I'm a one or like, or emotionally I'm a three. Like where, where, where do you get to balance out your levels of intimacy here so that that wheel moves? Because intimacy is the base, it, it is the basis for the relationship. And anywhere that that's being uh, compromised, it, you're, it's going to bleed into other areas of relationships. So if you're not able to be intimate with your woman um, driving to get groceries, she is, there's going to be a level of disconnect in the bedroom that that's going to bleed into and vice versa. If you're disconnected in the bedroom, she's not going to want to even talk to you, really. She will because you live in the same house, but she's really going to be in the back of her head like I, I, the physical touch, which is so important for women and men too, but it's going to be gone because she doesn't trust you to touch her. And if, you, if, if there's any intimacy that gets sacrificed in that wheel of seven, all the other ones are going to suffer. Like there's no way that you can have one without the other. Yeah. Yeah, big time. And then... You mentioned one about the spiritual intimacy. What, spiritual what, intimacy. What, what is so, that? Yeah. Um, 
Spiritual intimacy is, um, you know, where do you, where do you meet each other in the astrals? Like, where do you meet each other in meditation, journaling? Plant, do you do plant medicine together? Do you, do you actually talk about what your connection to spirit is like? What do you, what do you, how do you feel connected to source? Do you say like, like, does, are you able to call each other out? Like, you know, struggle oftentimes is simply disconnection from source. If you're struggling, if you're out of acceptance, if you're having a less than ideal experience in your life, it's because you're not connected to source. So in a relationship, like how intimately can that woman bring you back into connection with source? Because she is fucking source. She is the feminine, is God. No questions about it. They are portals. It is it. So how, how well do you allow her to bring, bring you, see you in that disconnection and bring you back into connection with source and vice versa? Like how well can you guys meet in the spiritual, meet in that realm that is not of the human and see each other there and co-regulate there in that space with each other? Mm. It's interesting. It's on, on a human level, the, the term you complete me is, is untrue, but on a yeah. spiritual level, it is true. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I just realized that. Yeah. And it's like we, you need a woman to complete you as a man on a spiritual level yes. and a woman needs a man. Totally, 100%. And then when we do this work and we find the, the wholeness within ourselves and then you bring the, the wholeness of a, a beautiful feminine woman into the play, and all of a sudden as a man, you access a whole new level of divinity. It's 100% true. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I, I hope that anyone's listening to this got inspired by our conversation and Same. feels compelled to want to go out there and, and do whatever work they need to do on themselves so that they can raise the standard of the quality of intimacy and love in their life. Cause everyone, everyone fucking deserves it, man. Everyone deserves it. And it, it will, it's whether we want to say we don't need it, we don't want it. We all, it all, it gets to be part of this human experience. And so that's the thing, man. By, by dishonoring the, that connection of intimacy, of love, of relationship, you're dishonoring the human experience. And that's, I mean, we can talk all about spirituality and all the things that are not of this world, of the very human physical existence. Yes. <coughs> Throat chakra. <laughs> yes, go there, be there, do the work there, and come back and have a good time as a human. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like, enjoy the passing of time. I, I, said, I read something last night. The key to happiness is to learn to enjoy the passing of time. Oh, that's great. Simple and great. Oh, I like right? that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's good. I, I hate the statement. I'm just, just killing time right now. Yeah, I know. When would you ever want to say that? Never. I right. just need to kill some time. Yeah, no. Enjoy the passing yeah. of time. What What do I need to give myself right now to enjoy yeah. this passing of time? When you're waiting and for a fucking bus, maybe. Just, <laughs> yeah. Like, or yeah. You know, laying on the couch watching Netflix or spending four hours meditating. Like it, it gets to be all of it. That's the thing is like this life gets to be all of it. Mm. We, you know, you don't have to leave things out. People think, oh, I, you know, I have, I, I can't do that because I have to do this. Is that really true? Yeah. Maybe in this moment, but take a bigger picture. Like you get to do both. Yeah. I think about that when I have to do things in my business and I'm like, oh, I gotta do the fucking look at my accounting. I gotta do my accounting oh, stuff. Yeah. And how can I enjoy this passing of time? Like put on some good music and maybe it's, you know, like light a candle or something and just. Yeah. Be present. Be yeah. present. And that's, and that's the thing, like, we, relationships, like, okay, relationships are man, woman, right? <clears throat> how, <clears throat> how well do you relate to the entirety of your life? Money, yourself, working out, food, um, TV, your woman, like, it's, get in right relation with all of your life. That's how you enjoy the passing of time. Yeah. 
Big time. So true. Dude, this has been such an amazing conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Man. Thank so you, bro. It's, it's been so great to have you here in Austin. Yeah. Um, I really hope that you get, you make it back here or that we, I mean, I'm sure we'll cross paths again. hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I'm really, really grateful. We got to connect and like, now I get to say that you're one of my best friends and yeah, buddy. we're going to do many, many more things together. Yeah. I'd love to do a retreat together. Actually. I was, yeah. I, yeah. You beat me to it. I was yeah. just about to say that we should definitely do like a, a relationship retreat or something. Definitely. Definitely. Retreat. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll get the, we'll get the, the toad medicine in there as well Dude, for the, for the brave it, yeah. souls we'll bring it all. Yeah, that, that's what I do in my private retreats is I do a day of breath work to start a day of toad a day of mushrooms and then a full day of integration okay well if you're listening to this and you're like yep sign me up for that shit <laughs> send me a DM or send Sam a DM yeah. just say hey I heard the podcast uh like put my name down for the retreat when yeah, it happens because we will make it happen there's no 100%, doubt about it yeah bro where can people uh connect with you learn uh, more about what you're up to yeah best place is uh sam gibbs morris on instagram so at sam gibbs morris that's g-i-b-b-s um then the website is sam gibbs dope love you bro love you too man thank you so much for thank this. you there we have it my friend thank you so much for tuning into today's episode one last thing before you take off I want to tell you a little bit about The Path, which is a four-month men's program that I facilitate. And enrollments are currently open. And if you're a man listening to this or you know a man that may feel the call to step into a men's program, a men's group, then this is the opportunity for him. And if you're tuning into my content, if you're here, you're listening to this, there's some sort of resonance through what I'm putting out. There's something that's calling you to step into this work. And I have decided that I wanted to you know, create opportunities for men to come together, to attract the right kinds of men who are willing to support each other in this journey. And what the path is, it's a four-month men's program where we go into each of the domains, all of the domains of a man's life, his relationships, his finances, his spirituality, his health, his fitness, all the areas to help him achieve full potency. And we do this through a very specific, measurable, tracked program where we have structure and we have accountability and we have guidance. And essentially, we meet every week, we come together, we measurably track progress in each of these areas, and we have safe spaces where we can open up around other men to release the things we've been holding onto, to release the blockages that are holding us back from being true, authentic, grounded warriors in this earth. And if you're here, you know the urgency, you know the need for this kind of work, especially for us men to step into this new level of leadership. So I just wanted to let you know that we're now taking enrollments for the next round. Uh, it's something that you know, I really feel that this is my heart and soul's calling to bring this work to, to fellow men, to fellow brothers like yourself. So if you head on over to thepathbrotherhood.com, you'll be able to learn more information about The Path, what it's about and how to apply. And if there's something in your soul that's resonating with what I'm sharing, then please follow that. Follow that calling because on the other side of it is a, is a whole new realm of possibility, power and confidence that will just start to emit from you, it will emanate out of you. You deserve it, my friend. You fucking deserve it. So thank you for being here. I appreciate you and hopefully we'll see you on the inside. Take care.